Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast, the official podcast of FilmPulse.net. Thank you so much for tuning in. This is episode number 172. My name's Adam Patterson with me today. Kevin Rakestraw, how you doing, Kevin? Pretty good. Pretty good. Well, I hope everyone listening had a good 4th of July. How was yours? Mine was fantastic. Mine was pretty good, too. Can't complain. I have family visiting, so it was, it was good times. Great oldies. <laughs> Uh, that will forever be in our minds. Yep. Unfortunately. Actually, yep. fortunately, no, those, those, were, those were good times. Uh, in honor of Terminator Genesis coming out this week, we're going to be talking about the original Terminator movies. We're going to be talking about Terminator 1, titled The Terminator, and we're going to be talking about T2, Judgment Day. T2. We're not going to talk about the third one. Or the fourth one. Although, although I will be talking about Terminator Genesis, because I did see that this week, so I'll be talking about that one a little bit. Uh, we're also going to be going over some of what we'll be watching, uh, DVD and Blu-ray releases, VOD mm-hmm. releases, going to mm-hmm. do some predictions, so mm-hmm. got got a little bit of everything this week. Remember, you can send us your questions to podcastfilmpulse.net, and be sure to check out our Patreon page, patreon.com slash filmpulse. Let's go ahead and just dive right into Terminator. Yeah, let's get into some Terminators. So it's been a while since I've seen the Terminator. Now, have have you seen the Terminator before? I don't know, to be honest. Cause it's, I don't because I watching rewatching them. At least I think that's what I was doing. I I recognize some things, but I don't know if it's just a matter of it's been so long that I just forgotten what the movie was. It, yeah, it's funny. It's funny the the Terminator series, at least the first two. I think they could easily be uh, one one of those movies where it's such a part of our pop culture it's so ingrained in our pop culture that you could easily think that you saw it before when in fact mm-hmm. you haven't exactly. we were, i was watching this last night with my girlfriend and she's like you know she's like oh i i just realized why i don't remember this scene she's like i haven't seen this movie before she's like i could have sworn that i've seen the terminator but i don't think i have yeah that was essentially me the entire time i was like have i seen this before like this seems kind of familiar. I've seen it multiple times because uh, I remember the first time I saw the Terminator was my aunt had it on VHS, and I actually saw the second Terminator before the first one. Oh no! Which yeah, uh, I think that the second Terminator is arguably better than the first one, but we'll get into that. Let's let's talk about the first one here. Uh, I have a synopsis. A human-looking indestructible cyborg is sent from 2029 to 1984 to assassinate a waitress whose unborn son will lead humanity in a war against the machines, while a soldier from that war is sent to protect her at all costs. Written and directed by James Cameron. It's got some other writers credited to it as well. Uh, Gail Ann Hurd and William Wisher Jr. is credited with additional dialogue. I'm not sure what that means. This stars Arnold Schwarzenegger, Michael Bean, Linda Hamilton. Lance Hendrickson's in there. Forgot he was in it. Thought that was that's right. That's right. An inter- yeah. Interesting uh, thing. And a little cameo from Bill Paxton that I totally didn't remember at all. 
Uh, oh my god, that's right. <laughs> that was Bill Paxton. Yeah. Uh, so Kevin, after seeing the Terminator again, or possibly for the first time, what do you think? <laughs> uh, it's a pretty badass movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Gotta say, the effects work. They hold up. For yeah, for nineteen, that was that was one thing I was kind this, of surprised. Like, damn, this this stuff looks pretty good. Like the even in the scenes where it's in the future with the tanks mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and the crazy robots and stuff, like it still looks it's, pretty damn good. It's still impressive. It is still impressive. It looks good. I mean, say what I you mean, say what you want about James Cameron, but he does have a knack for tech, you know, in movies. He's got that tech down. Those chase sequences were pretty badass, too. Yep, yeah. And I gotta say, from my favorite thing of both of these movies is just the intro, the start. Mm-hmm. Just the electrical storm, them showing up, Arnold looking for clothes. It's just, it has to be my favorite portion of both of these movies. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know if, if because I watched it in high def, or I'm pretty sure that's the reason, because... In the, when I watched it, you could totally see Arnold's wiener flapping around as he's walking, and I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure I'm pretty sure I never remember seeing that. <laughs> but in the high def version, you can totally see his wiener flapping around as he's walking. Uh, just the first one. That he, I mean, he rips a guy's heart out. Yeah, like right off the bat. Yeah. <laughs> like I was not prepared for that. Yeah. Yeah, that, and then the second the second one was pretty badass too because I I love that they added the the whole orb, mm-hmm. the orb thing yeah. where it like melted everything around. Yeah, it. yeah, yeah. I mean that looked fantastic. It's like a it's like a, a force field of some sort that that's in the uh, that's in Genesis too. Now is it, I'm, I'm, does it look as good? <laughs> yeah, it looks really cool. Um, because in Genesis when they when they come in they are in the middle of a highway and uh car hits him like the side of a truck hits him and it like wipes the whole it's really cool looking hmm. um i'm gonna try not to because there's there are a lot of comparisons i want to make to genesis uh just because of what that movie is so i'm gonna try to hold off on those comparisons till after we talk about the other two but they'll probably creep in here and there so Gotcha, Getting gotcha. back to the first one, so this is the one where Arnold is the bad guy. He's the evil Terminator set out to kill Sarah Connor, whereas in the second one, obviously, he's the good one protecting her from the T-1000. One thing I got to say when I was watching the first one was I was I kept thinking to myself, you know, they just don't make movies like this. I mean, th- looking back, the Terminator was such a... A unique movie. There's nothing like it. It was just such a fresh idea, you know. It's like it's a mixture of sci-fi and horror, and you have like the the time travel elements, and there's a pretty decent amount of of world building in the first Terminator. Oh, yeah. Like oh, yeah. there are, there are things that they hinted at in the first Terminator that they did not explore until the second one, which is. I thoroughly enjoyed that because you could tell that it was thought out mm-hmm. that they were going to be getting into some things. Yeah, which immediately made me want to watch Terminator Two. Yeah, like as soon as the Terminator was done, I I had questions. Yeah, 
and I wanted them answered. And they kind of were in T2 a little bit. But yeah, you're right. The world building is just, it's phenomenal. Yeah. And it, I just love the idea that the hook of the movie is the bad guy. Yeah. Like, that's the badass portion of this movie. Yeah. It's the bad because, guy, the villain. I mean, there are, there are entire scenes of this movie that focus just on Arnold mowing people down. Like, the perspective. Oh, he it, destroys so many people. We see a lot of the movie from his perspective where Sarah Connor and Kyle Reese are off doing their own thing. And we spend a lot of time with Arnold. Now, obviously, this uh, he... I mean, clearly, I mean, he's on the cover. He he was the selling point of this movie. And this, this movie is really what made him a huge, phenomenal star. Because he... And I gotta, I gotta say, he was... He is awesome in both of these movies. He is. I mean, he... And he's awesome in Genesis, too. I'll say that. He's the best part of Terminator Genesis. He's just... He just owns that character. He sure does. Especially in T two when they, you know, between him and Furlong. Yeah, when they when they start putting the comedy in it. Yeah, and they, you know, he starts teaching them some things. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's just he is amazing as a robot or a cyborg, I should say. Yeah, yeah. He he does perfect cyborg. Where I wonder if we just are are what we think of a cyborg, we just think of Arnold. It could be because it is that ingrained. I mean. The, f- the first, we were one. We were one year old when the first Terminator came out. And when the Judgment Day came out in 1991. So we've been with this Terminator series our entire lives. Mm-hmm. So it could be. When I think of a cyborg, yeah, the first thing I think of is the Terminator. The fucking Terminator, man. <laughs> but it's such... Uh, that, the, my, the... I mean, the intro was pretty great with him ripping that guy's heart out because I didn't, I didn't remember it being that gruesome. Yeah. I mean, violent. So that would kind of like push me back in my seat a little bit. Like, oh shit, this is serious. Yeah. I kind of felt like Furlong in the second one when he's like, "This is intense." <laughs> I wasn't. I wasn't. I wasn't quite ready for yeah. that. But then the, everything at uh, the tech noir. Mm-hmm. You know that slow mo of Arnold walking by while you know she bends over and he can't, and it's all slowed down. With the way as the laser pointed, yeah, on just it. just the look of that entire shot, that whole sequence. I was just like, oh my god, yes, yeah, yes, please. It's awesome. It's it's it is really awesome. I mean, again, James Cameron, man, he. I, I wasn't a big fan of Titanic. I wasn't a big fan of Avatar. But man, when he I feel like when he gets it right, he really gets it right. He sure does. Because the Terminator, whew. and and it, it's so it's so eighties too. It's such an eighties movie, but it also somehow feels timeless in a way. It does because it it is very much ingrained in in the eighties. A lot of the music that they play is very. I mean, the hair, <laughs> Linda Ham- Linda Hamilton's hair in this movie. She's got that sweet mullet that's like poofed big poofed out (laughs) bill paxton playing one of your typical 80s punk gang members it is is a super 80s movie but and just trash everywhere yeah of course trash garbage blown around everywhere strewn across the streets 
I mean, if you think about it, we've come a really long way in waste management since the 80s. Absolutely. Because almost like 80, every single like 70s and 80s movie, it's just alleyways just full of trash. Yeah. Just like knee deep. And, it, and it's always wet and there's always, mm-hmm. and there's always steam coming out oh, of it's everywhere. Just disgusting. I'm pretty sure that both guys, when they came back, Terminator and Kyle Reese, I think they got Hep C like immediately. Probably because they were naked and they didn't even have. <laughs> they're, just, they're walking in their all, bare feet. That's all I could think of. It's just like, oh my god, it's so disgusting. And then Kyle Reese puts on that on those homeless man's <laughs> pants. Yeah. It's just like, oh, that is disgusting. Yeah, he probably pees and poops in those pants. <laughs> oh god, and it looks like they're covered in pigeon shit. Yeah. Just, yeah, it was a disgusting first twenty minutes. I'll say it was. Going back to the the level of violence in the first two Terminator movies, they they kind of neutered the the Terminator series over the years. The all the newer ones are just not the level of violence is just nowhere near the first two. I mean, the first one you have, which I think is like the apex, the high point of. The first Terminator is the police station. Mm. The just all-out massacre. Which he, he, just, he just... He dispenses of everyone. Yeah. Just completely destroys them. And then essentially, it kind of dies down after that, I thought. And it just started to drag a little bit. But then, T2, the, the nightmare sequence that Linda Hamilton has? Like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Was that not disturbing? <laughs> yeah. For fuck's sake, it's a whole playground just being annihilated, looking like Pompeii, and then not only is it people on fire, and then like crusted over, and then those explode, Yeah, and you're left with just the skeleton. Mm -hmm. Children. It's just like, yeah, it's like, that's a bit much. It's a bit much. The one scene in T two that uh, that I'll never forget the first time I saw because I was very young when I when I saw T two uh, was the scene when T one thousand is going after John Connor's uh, was going after John Connor but he ends up at his foster parents' place and mm-hmm. he when he gets the foster dad when he's drinking the yes. milk and he puts the freaking liquid needle spear through the milk carton through his mouth and into the wall. <laughs> oh, God. Just that scene, how they kind of, the milk was pouring out everywhere and just, ugh. Which even though, I mean, those effects were pretty badass. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. a little it's a little shoddy when they do the full body yeah. liquid metal but, to, I mean, that doesn't look too great, but all the, the appendages, you know, the, what did Arnold call them? Knives and stabbing weapons? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's what he called them. Like when he's, you know, when he has like kind of the, they're almost like hooks when he's like trying to get on the back of the car. Yeah, I mean it, that looks pretty damn good even now. Yeah, which is which is crazy because I think a lot of time, at least for me, when I look at early CG, I look at Jurassic Park as kind of like the de facto standard for early CG in movies, but. You know, this came out two years before Jurassic Park. And a lot of this movie, I mean, everything with the T-1000 is CG. And it's early, early, early CG. And it looks pretty damn good. Except, like, when you said when his entire body turns to the liquid metal. The way he moves looks a little ridiculous. But 
But hell, even when they when Arnold shotgun blasts to the face and like rips his head yeah. in half, I mean the hell that looks damn good. Yeah. I completely agree. I mean, after seeing because there is a T one thousand in Genesis and I don't know if it was intentional, but I'm pretty sure it was. They, the way that they did the effects work in Genesis, they tried to do kind of, they made it look the same. Because mm. Genesis is basically a re, a reimagining, a reboot, sort of, of the first two Terminator movies with other things thrown in there. It's, it's crazy, and I'll get to that in a bit. Is it, is it, is it, is it kind of like a, Maybe like a parallel storyline or something? Like well, a different reality? Well, this is one of the issues I had with it. Is Terminator... It, the first Terminator movie is a possible outcome that didn't actually occur because of Genesis. So, the way that the time travel and timelines are explained in the Terminator films, they say that the future isn't, isn't written. You can change the future... But what they're saying in Genesis is you can change the past, too. So the beginning of Terminator Genesis is when Kyle Reese goes back to 1984 to protect Sarah Connor. However, when he gets back there, the Terminator from T2 is already there protecting Sarah Connor. And the the T-1000 goes back instead of the original Terminator. So it gets pretty complicated, but that was kind of one of the things that I I thought was a bummer about Genesis was that it negated, it made everything that happened in the first two Terminator movies pointless. Well, Mm. theoretically Terminator 2 as well, but see, they didn't get into that whole time where John Connor was a a boy. They Mm. They didn't go that far into it because what they do is they start in 84 and then they end up time traveling to 2017 because there's this whole other thing that's going on and man if you thought the terminator time travel stuff was complicated before genesis genesis makes everything even more complex and convoluted and confusing it's cool i I will say it's cool how they did it but what did you think? What were your thoughts on just just looking at the first two Terminators? What were your thoughts on how they did the time travel mechanics and all of that? I'm I'm kind of confused with the first one because essentially what John Connor's doing in the future is just sending back his dad to ensure that he has sex with his mom so that he can be born, which seems like one of the one of those chicken and the egg type situations. But does does he know in the first one, does he know that it's his dad that he's sending back? I don't know. But he, I mean, it's his dad. Yeah, it is, so it is his dad. He can't he can't exist in the future yet. So Kyle Reese had to go back before 1984. Yeah, but see that's time travel. That's like time travel loophole or whatever paradoxes. That you get yeah. into you you could say that about any any kind of time travel movie where there's there's that it is kind of True, a chicken it's, in just, the it's, it's just it's just odd to think of you know that's the the crux of the situation here in the terminator is that a guy in the future is sending back another guy 
Yeah, well, th- to ensure that he has sex with his mom. Th- theoretic, <laughs> yeah, but theor- theoretically, John Connor knows that he has to send Kyle Reese back ahead of time. So he's like, I, I have to send him back, or else I cease to exist. So yeah, you know, when if he didn't, if he was like, you know what, I want to see what happens if I don't send him back, then theoretically that timeline would just cease to exist. Like it would just yeah. disappear, and it would be completely. It'd be something else. And that's when I was wondering if they if they were getting into that with Genesis. Because they, they even do kind of hint at it in the beginning of the Terminator. That, they, you know, like, this is one possible outcome. Right, yeah. It, it is, yeah, they do play with that a lot in Genesis where they're like, okay, well, the thing that was supposed to happen, because the beginning of Genesis, like I said, John Connor sends Kyle Reese back. And he knows that Kyle Reese is his father. And that he has to send him back because at this point, John Connor lived that life. You know what I mean? He lived through Terminator 2 and he knows he knows what must happen to get to that point. Yeah, because because his mom told him this is this is what needs to happen. This is what needs to fall into place. So in a sense, and and that's the whole thing, because like he knows where to attack. Skynet, he knows where to to where they're storing all their mainframes and all that stuff in the future, and everybody thinks that he's like a prophet. Everybody thinks that he's some sort of magical being because he always knows where to attack them. Yeah. And it's because he of the the he's whole time travel thing. So he tells Kyle Reese, you need to go back, you need to do this, but there's a there's kind of a wrinkle, something that happens that Uh-oh. that alters the past. Oh my goodness. Because as it turns out, the good terminator, the good Arnold, they sent one back or someone, and they don't even they don't say who it was in Genesis. I don't <laughs> know if that's a plot hole or something that they're trying to save for something else. Someone sends the good terminator back to when Sarah Connor was 9 years old to protect oh my her. That's So there's just Arnold's and yeah, every decade, well, just about. Yeah, there's multiple Arnolds. <laughs> does Ar- does a good Arnold fight a bad Arnold? Yeah. Oh man. The one from t- and that's that's kind of the crazy thing. The uh, when they go back to 1984, that whole scene when Arnold first appears in '84, when Kyle Reese first appears, when he sees the uh, when Kyle Reese sees the uh, the dump truck guy. Not the dump truck, the garbage truck guy, the interaction with Bill Paxton and the other people that Arnold has, all of that is shot for shot remade for Genesis. Is Bill Paxton in no, it again? No, he's not. No, he's not. <laughs> but, I mean... That would have been amazing. Same same camera shots and everything. Like, same framing. Like, the scene when Kyle Reese is goes into that clothing store and he, and he sizes up the shoe... The, he gets he gets himself those Nikes. Yep, that's all. Still have a Nike product placement in the first. It's one. all the exact same. The same shoes, the same Velcro. The, like the scene where they show, uh, the like the 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 cameras like on the floor and they show him Velcroing up the Nikes. That's exact same. It's crazy how they did it. <laughs> same lines, same like same dialogue, same everything. Wow. So yeah, it's it's kind of cool how they did it, and then but. It's the big difference is in that scene when he's 
when he's picking up the clothes, he's not running from the cops. He well, he is at first, but then a T one thousand comes, and that's when things start to get uh, it, different. It it almost sounds like what you're describing to me almost sounds like they just wanted to put enough of the good Terminators, Terminator one and T two in this new movie <laughs> in hopes to make people happy. Yeah. Yeah. Like, they, there's no way they can't like it. Like half of the movie is just the first two. They didn't. It's funny because they didn't really even take into account the events of part three or four. They just didn't even, they didn't even bother like, with those. Like, and this is kind of why I wanted to do this. Cause I had no interest in watching Genesis. I did. I didn't want anything to do with this. Um, and I thought it'd be a good time to, perhaps rewatch or watch for the first time the first two terminators mm-hmm. and it, like what you're describing to me i'm just thinking we'll just watch the first two terminators instead like it sounds like you're just better off doing that um yes and no it's not a straight reboot it's not like a a, a straight remake like i said only a, a small portion of it takes place in 1984 and then they time travel to 2017 so there is a lot of new stuff in there and it does a pretty decent job of kind of uh wrapping up this whole war with the machines and it's really not a bad movie it's it's forgettable and i was going to get into this when we <laughs> a little bit later but it, it's forgettable and it's pretty generic there's a helicopter fight in it that's pretty cool but is is that the one that ends with arnold jumping into yeah. the helicopter place yeah torpedo style uh-huh. uh-huh which is i mean seeing that in a trailer it's like well I, i'm pretty sure i saw the high point that is definitely one of the high points of the movie the other high point is the scene that you also see in the trailer with the bus when it flips because that's mm. freaking awesome looking but yeah there's a there's there's some cool action in it the Again, the uh, the whole timeline plot thing just it gets very, very complex because they're yeah. they're going all over the place. They're sending Terminators back. They're sending T one thousands, and they're, they're jumping. And part of it takes place in the future, and part of it's in eighty four and twenty seventeen. And in this one, Sarah Connor already knows what's going on, and it's just it's crazy. Now. The worst parts of the first two Terminators are, it's mostly the dialogue, let's be honest here. Because the first Terminator really dies down after that police station massacre, when you start getting, where it's just Linda Hamilton and... And Reese and the Terminator. Yeah, and Kyle, yeah, Kyle Reese just like talking to each other, yeah. like, oh, tell me about where you're from, and you know, all that stuff. And just everything, it's like a snooze fest. It's terrible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. T2... There's not as much of it, but it's even worse because now it's like pretty much just delivered via voiceover, which is awful, especially at the beginning with Sarah Connor and everything yeah, that she said. Yeah. It's just, oh my God. It's just like, shut your mouth. Shut, just shut it. And that was the thing that scared me the most with the Genesis because it looks like in the trailer that there's a, there's a lot of talking. There, there's a sig- Which is not, not well, the movie's strong suit. Yeah, you know, I was, I was thinking about this and... You have to do it, in, in, in at least at the beginning. There, there is a significant 
amount of voiceover at the beginning of the movie that's that kind of lays everything out but they had to there's just there's no way you can jump into this movie and have anyone understand what's going on without True. recapping it because it, it when you're dealing with time travel like this you got to explain some stuff and that's well and the first one the first terminator i didn't mind it as much because the way in which it was structured and executed made sense to me and i thought it was okay you know um sarah connor and kyle reese having a right conversation yeah. and you know it felt natural it felt it made sense but then t2 it just it seemed like they had no way of getting it across yeah. so they're just like ah, oh, we got to do voiceover there's there's two things that they do in genesis one is voiceover there's a significant scene at the beginning that is all voiceover that's kind of like a montage of just everything up until this point of what's going on and it, it was fine they again they had to do it the other thing that they do is sort of like in terminator one where it's more like it's exposition but it's kind of uh earned exposition where you're explaining it to someone one character is explaining it to someone another character who doesn't really know what's going on yeah now, and then you kind of just have now some of it the visuals to go with it. Yeah, some of it I think is not really. Some of it I think is for for us because because of all this crazy time travel stuff and alternate pasts and and alternate futures. They the Terminator Arnold tries to explain it to Sarah Connor and Kyle Reese, and that is just like eh, I'm not sure if I'm. I'm not sure if it's, it's even, if that's for them or for us at this point. It's even, it's even better that they have Arnold do it. Yeah. <laughs> but I, uh, in Genesis, is Doctor Silverman there? Um, no. Does he show up again? Um, I don't think so. Unless that's uh, no, I don't think it's him. I, I was trying to. I forgot who. Hold on a second, because um, what's his name? Damn it. From Whiplash. Why am I blanking on his name right now? Oh, shit. Oh, my God. I'm a huge J. fan K. of J.K. Simmons. J.K. Simmons is in it. And I don't think that he plays the wow. same character. <laughs> they, yeah, they do kind of look alike. Because he, he's... He plays... Uh, who does he play? O'Brien. So he plays this guy who is a, a cop who kind of... Um, you know the scene in the first Terminator that I mentioned where he's getting his clothes, he's in the clothing store? Well, mm -hmm. J.K. Simmons plays one of those cops that's chasing him Okay. in the clothing store, and the T-1000 attacks, and he survives, and he sees it all happen. Uh, and Kyle Reese kind of saves his life, and then we jump ahead to 2017, and he's been trying to figure out what's going on this whole time. So he ends up helping them. Gotcha. Like, he figures out what's what's going on, that Arnold's a robot, and he, he ends up helping them. Mm. Not gonna... I, I don't really think that his character was necessary, but he was uh, he was cool. I mean, I like J.K. Simmons and everything, so... It's just an excuse to put J.K. Simmons in there. Yeah, which I was perfectly fine with. <laughs> <laughs> You're alright with jk simmons being injected into any movie let's let's talk about a little bit more about terminator 2 t2 judgment day mm -hmm, this one mm -hmm. this one 
had a lot more big action set pieces in it. It's more of a spectacle. Yeah, there was there was whereas the first Terminator was almost like a horror film. It was almost like a slasher film where they were it was really just Sarah Connor and Kyle Reese trying to run away from the Terminator. And it was it was it felt it felt more intimate, it felt more closed in whereas T2 it opens it up. It's it, just wide open. Two wide two, open. Two ridiculous cyborgs just destroying things. Now I, I always like I, I still like Terminator 2 more. I think that Terminator 2 is it's more there's fun. Not, there's just there's definitely not as many valleys in T2. Yeah. They they But I I for me I think I liked them about the same cuz I liked the intimacy of the first one even though it died down a little bit there towards the end yeah. and just it dragged on. For me but, for me it's almost like comparing Alien to Aliens where I love both movies but one is definitely the action one and the other one is like more of the sci-fi horror one. Yeah. But plus, I mean, just the the stunt work in T two. Oh yeah, I, it's just I mean, it's so much fun to that very first chase sequence with Arnold on the motorcycle and Furlong on the dirt bike and, how he, and the and the eighteen wheeler and just you're just watching that like they were actually doing this. Yeah, it was. This is ridiculous. A lot. Yeah, some of the effects work and stunt work in that movie is just crazy. It's just crazy. <laughs> the explosion at the end of that. It's wild. Jesus. And I know that at the time when this came out, it was it was a very very big budget movie. It was a hundred and two million dollar budget, which for today's standards, that's pretty average for a, a blockbuster movie. But back then, that was a huge budget, and it shows. I mean, you can see it on the screen. It's I think when this came out, there was nothing like it at the time. It just it blew people away. It blew me away. I was just amazed. I loved how Arnold would. Uh, would um cock that rifle when he did the flip oh, yeah <laughs> that was spinning just, around it was it was pretty unnecessary but at the same time it was so badass the way he did it it's extremely badass you kidding me this one had a lot more comedy as i said with john connor being kind of a snotty little kid <laughs> mm, that's right just him teaching them. Yeah. You know, for long teaching the Terminator. <laughs> when he tries to smile. They do. Uh, that's, I just thought that that was ridiculously hilarious. That's a running gag in Genesis. The, the smiling. <laughs> it's so odd looking. It's perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And see, that's a perfect. I mean, that's good acting. Let's be honest. Arnold doing good acting there. I could t- I could look at T2 and eat every scene. I-, I just love every scene. Even when Linda Hamilton's busting out of the asylum, just that whole scene, or the institution or whatever she's in, the hospital. Yeah. I love that scene. And she she's a badass. I mean, she... In the first one, she played kind of the, the helpless woman victim. You know, she was always... She was falling, and she was scared, and she was running but in this it's like she's a completely different character you know she just she's just straight badass yeah she's just a badass and i like that they that they did that that they made her a badass that they made her stronger i did enjoy that as well added another layer to it 
because now you just have just a boatload of people being badasses. Yeah. It's like badass overload. But but it's also funny when Edward Furlong is just like seeing his mom be this crazy badass. And then, yeah, and then it's essentially just him trying to trying to reel her in because she's kind of she's kind of out of control a little bit uh at times for sure yes she's she's (laughs) definitely definitely out of control it's just and it was you know you're building up to this point where she goes to miles dyson's house and you're like okay here we go this is her being a badass and to be honest she is fucking terrible with a gun yeah because I mean, it's Miles Dyson. It's just, he's a computer guy. He's just sitting there, and she fails miserably. Yep. But then, you know, they they enlist his help. Yeah. Shit gets crazy with helicopters and yeah, just the nonchalant the Arnold flipping to the was that like the grenade launcher, whatever it uh-huh. was. Yeah. When he's just standing at the window, destroying everything around <laughs> him. Yeah. Yeah, they there's a lot there's a lot of action, there's more action in the second one, but there's also a lot of story development too. They they start delving deeper into the origins of Skynet and how it came to be and all of this stuff. And this is where whereas the first one in the first Terminator, they're on the defense of the entire time. They're just trying to mm-hmm. escape the Terminator. And this one is when it kind of switches gears and they go on the offensive and are like, all right, we're going to take down Skynet. Yeah. And I like that, too. I, I like when they decided that's what they're going to do. They're going to they're going to bring down the whole system. They're going to go at it. Plus, I mean, it's still, you know, everything that's being discussed with Skynet and what Dyson's working on and everything like that works really well for today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the, that's the, you know what I mean? Yeah, the, absolutely. And that's the one thing that they get into with, with Genesis uh, is that it, that everything that happens in Genesis can also be a, applicable to today, which is, is weird. They kind of redo how Skynet works and how the whole how Skynet took over in Genesis. It's basically like an operating system. It's basically Windows 10. That's exactly what it is. It's it's Windows 10 where it's this new operating system that's going to Well, launch. we have nothing to worry about then. Exactly. It's Windows 10. It's not going to work. It's going to be replaced by Windows 12 yeah. in like a year. Yep. So to just fucking wait it out. Jesus. It's basically an operating system that runs on your tablets and your phones and your computer and and everything and defense contractors are using it or, and militaries are using it and all these people and that's that's how skynet starts and and takes so over so does it just slowly or uh erode our mental capacity by asking us to update adobe <laughs> just over and over and over again yeah. until we kill ourselves yep that's that's how skynet gets us <laughs> endless flash flash and reader updates and Java. Oh, God. Every time we turn on our device, there's a new update for Java. Oh, fucking Java. So, this sense. Terminator 2 is on... It's number 41 on the IMDb Top 250. It won four Oscars, which is crazy. I, I knew that it was obviously a wildly popular movie, but I didn't know that it won four Oscars. It won for Best Sound 
best mm-hmm. sound effects editing, best visual effects, and best makeup. I would agree. With I would all agree of with this. all of those. Yeah, the the one thing I mean, the the Terminator theme, the music is it's iconic. The and that's a badass. That is a badass song. I just I would like the ending portion of this podcast just you to be be me re. Yep. <laughs> just with your mouth. <laughs> exactly. Just do that. It was nominated. It was actually nominated for best cinematography and best film editing. Which it, you know, it has Greenberg's cinematography for you know action movies. Pretty. What happened to that? Can we get that back? Yeah. Like clean cinematography. Clean, yeah. That'd be fantastic. Where you can see everything. They want you to you know, they want you, know, you to see everything. They don't want to hide it. No. Dude, I mean they're showing off. Yeah. There used to be such a swagger yeah. to old action films. You know, like every every action sequence was essentially them just being like, Look how fucking badass we are. Yep. And essentially the majority of the time we were sitting there saying, Damn, you guys are badass. <laughs> Mm, yeah. How the fuck did you do that? Well, you know, we we did have Mad Max this year, and I think that that was they they did it with Mad Max. A, a step in the right direction. Yeah. Did they do it with Genesis? Uh, yes and no. Yeah, I mean, again, a lot of it looked like the original, the first two Terminators, as far as cinematography. Uh, honestly, I cannot. I don't really remember. I didn't. I didn't take note. <laughs> Of the cinematography, one way or the other, I wasn't bothered by it. Like some action movies, where they pull in where it's too close and you can't see anything, and they do, there's too many cuts. I was so I wasn't bothered by it, but I also wasn't blown away with any any of the effects. In fact, that helicopter scene, I, I told my girlfriend after we came out during that scene, I completely zoned out and was like not even paying attention at all. I was thinking about something else completely. So. <laughs> Mm. So, but that helicopter scene—it's—it's it's cool. I just—I don't know. I wasn't wasn't in it by that point because it happens towards the end of the movie. Does Genesis have a um, an odd sex scene like the first Terminator? No, with I, ridiculous editing I, cuts. Yeah, you know, I thought that they were gonna go there with it because they know at one point Kyle Reese and Sarah Connor already knows that she needs to have sex with him. But at this point, she's never met him, so she doesn't know. She's like, well, because she, she's talking to Arnold, and she's like, how am I supposed to fall in love with this guy? Because the whole time, Arnold's like, when are you going to mate with him? So it's like a funny, it's, it's like a joke in it. But um, no, there is no awkward sex scene. I was afraid that there was going to be one, because the whole time, I was just thinking back to the sex scene in the in the first Terminator and how unpleasant so it's it's terrible (laughs) how unpleasant unpleasant the whole thing was the editing doing that is just god awful it's so it's so it's very 80s so it's it's just really awkward it's like they just didn't know what to do yeah and they just like quick cut quick cut show the hands again show the hands squeezing together cut to her on top cut back to the hands cut to her on top yeah, that was that was unpleasant. But overall, 
And it's funny, too, because I remember literally nothing from Terminator 3 and Terminator Salvation. I remember nothing from those movies. Not that big of a deal. But just just judging the Terminator series on the first two and Genesis, just because Genesis is fresh in my mind, uh, I still like the Terminator. I'm still a big fan of the story of the Terminator. I like the time travel stuff, even if it doesn't make a lot of sense. When you break down any kind of time travel, none of it makes sense. There's always going to be questions and paradoxes. Yeah. I still think it's cool. And I think that the action is cool. And I think Arnold, it's to this day, probably the best role Arnold's ever had, except for kindergarten cop. (laughs) Well, and I was kind of, you know, watching these two in my head, I had this, you know, how I, I read a lot of people saying that Maggie from this year was one of Arnold's best performances. You know, he really got to show his chops. But I think the Terminator is. I mean, he's he's the definitive cyborg. Yeah. Like, he defines cyborg. And he does it perfectly. Which, to me, I think is a lot more impressive than just being a sad dad. Yeah. Uh, I think... There, I think there's a lot more nuance in his performance in Terminator 1 and 2 than there was in Maggie. Yeah. In my little letterbox review for Genesis, I said that that Arnold has the most personality out of anyone else in the movie, and he's a robot. So I think that it's just a role that he was born to play. I don't know why, if it's his dialogue delivery, it just all works. It's just this perfect storm of things that work. But let's be honest here. He's a terrible actor because he can't do any other voice besides his voice. Right. Okay? So you kind of have to incorporate that in, which I think is brilliant how Cameron does it because he does kind of sound like a robot. So let's make him a robot. And the voice is perfect for the role. Now, is his voice good in any way whatsoever for the role of Ma- in, that he has in Maggie, where he plays a Midwestern farmer? For God's sake! Yeah, that, that no, it doesn't add up. But we don't know his backstory. We don't know how he ended up there. Not even fucking close. I mean, just yeah. I do it wonder. When we came out of Genesis, my girlfriend goes, "Why would Skynet make all their Terminators have Austrian accents?" <laughs> it's like that's a really good question. I don't know. There's just there's probably just one guy. He's like, you know what? I'm going to make him Austrian. (laughs) Uh, You would think that if they spoke English that they would not have, you know, that they would just have no accent. They wouldn't, or maybe an English accent if you want to go that route. It has to be Austrian because Arnold can't be bothered to even try (laughs) and do anything else, okay? Uh. They're like, can you give me a, a robot voice that no discernible accent whatsoever, Arnold. And he's just like, no, can't do that. Sorry, I'm going to speak with my accent. Take it or leave it. Interesting. It's just like, well, we got to take it. All right. He's like, all right, whatever. We'll just, we'll go with it. Interestingly, they do explain his aging in Terminator Genesis, which is funny because when, when I saw Terminator Genesis, it was before I rewatched the first Terminator. So 
what they how they explain it is uh it's because the terminators use organic living tissue that it ages just like yeah. regular human what and when i first saw that in genesis i was like oh that they're just trying to explain it they that's you know whatever but then in terminator 1 they actually say that in the, mm-hmm. in the first terminator i'm like holy shit it makes sense that works now so i thought that, that was just a cool a cool way of explaining the fact that he would age so in in this regard alan taylor at least took the time to rewatch the the first ones it, it to try and pick up yeah some yeah i mean it it fits together pretty nicely with with the other ones so yeah in that regard it works again didn't love terminator genesis uh but Blake reviewed it for for us, and he hated it. He gave it a three out of ten. What would you give it? I would give it a I would give it a five and a half. Uh, five and a half. Yeah, I, I can right there in the middle. Yeah, I'm comparing it to Jurassic World, which I would give a six. I didn't like it as much as Jurassic World, so it's it would just be right underneath of Jurassic World. Do they, do they explain why they spell Genesis like that? Yeah, it's uh, the, Genesis is the name of the operating system. Oh, okay. That that is Skynet, basically. So uh, that makes a little bit more sense too, actually, because it's a system. So it's like Genesis system. Yeah, yeah. It's fucking Adobe updates, man. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't hate. Bring, hate bring about the end of the world. Cause a huge nuclear explosion that melts all the children on all the playgrounds. Yep, and then crusts you over, and then explodes all that matter from your skeleton. I was fully expecting to see that scene that they show in every single Terminator movie with the the playground and the swing set and the and the bombs, and they didn't show that in Genesis. They they show the explosion, what? but they show basically they get into more detail with it. They're like, you know what? We have a we have a bigger budget. We can do better CG. So they basically show the entire world exploding in, in Genesis. <laughs> and that's not a spoiler. It's it happens at the very beginning of the movie. Still, I mean that sequence in T two that is disturbing. Yeah, that is extremely disturbing. I think partially because of how it looks. Like it just yeah. it look the way that it looks. It looks so real. It does. That's one hell of a, a set piece right there. And again, I was just like Furlong. I'm just like, damn, this is intense. Yeah. Time out. Time out. Stop the bike. And that that was the thing that I, I guess I don't like about the newer Terminators is that they seem too clean to me. The The way that they look visually, the way that the action scenes unfold, it all seems too clean. Mm-hmm. And I, I know a lot of that is just due to the fact that it's probably shot digitally now and it just everything cg and but i kind of like it when it's darker more grim and gritty which is not pg-13 what the fuck make it rated r it's a horrible violent grim dark story don't gear it towards kids they're called fucking terminators like all they do is terminate. Why would you go for? for I don't see why you would go for a PG thirteen when the other ones are rated R. So nobody is going to go into Terminator Genesis without at least seeing a few of the at least the first or second one, and those are rated R. 
And I mean, you're trying to capture nostalgia here. Exactly. You're trying to capture this entire crowd that grew up with Terminator and get them. But I mean, I guess they're trying to get a new set of fans. Yeah. <clears throat> but the way you got those fans originally was rated R. Yeah. And it was gruesome. And, you know, you felt like a badass kid watching Terminators. Now, I will say, though, it didn't, as I was watching Terminator Genesis, I wasn't really bothered by it. It doesn't feel like uh, they went out of their way to, to not show blood or anything like that. So it's it's not as egregious as something like The Expendables, when The Expendables went PG-13 and it was just like, this, this doesn't fit, this doesn't feel right. Uh, you know, T-1000 still uses his freaking sword needle fingers to stab people, and there's a lot of violence there's just not a lot of blood and a lot of the violence is robot on robot violence because there's a lot of robots in this one it's just i mean arnold's upon arnold yeah there is there's old arnold young arnold uh there's the t-1000 and then there's the this was spoiled in the trailer and i, I don't know why they gave this away but uh, there's another Terminator that's um, John Connor. John Connor's a Terminator, uh, and he's a new—he's like a new kind of Terminator. They're just making all different kinds of Terminators. Yeah, Skynet. You know, they're just kind of throwing stuff against the wall. They're seeing what sticks. Let's try this. That didn't work. Okay, let's let's try this other thing. I like how they play with the accents. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting idea. Mm-hmm. They mix it up. Yeah. Hmm. Definitely. So those are the Terminator movies. Uh, Terminator Genesis playing in theaters now. Very light recommend for me if you're a huge Terminator fan. As in, if you liked Part 3 and 4. If you liked Part 3 or Part 4, then definitely go see it. Because it is the third best Terminator movie. I'll say that. It's way better than those other two. but 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 the gap between... One and two to this one is probably oh, huge hu- huge, huge, huge gap. Yeah, gotcha. definitely. It ends up being a, a fairly entertaining, yet ultimately forgettable action movie. Gotcha. It's a lot of those being made. It's fun. It's weird, though. They try to inject humor into it, but... It, it happens at very strange times, and it just doesn't fit. I think if they tried to put more humor into it, it would have been more entertaining, more enjoyable. But it's just like when the humor does come, it feels out of place. Mm. So, eh, you know, I, I, I'd still say it's worth worth checking out, even for you. Okay, all right, maybe. We'll see. But if you have... We'll if, if any of you listening haven't seen the first two Terminators, absolutely check those out because they 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 hold up tremendously. They're still fantastic. They're badass. Yeah. All right, let's talk about some of what we've been watching. Uh, I don't have a whole lot to talk about mm-hmm. just because uh, I've had family in town and it's just... I only have three. I have three films that I saw. Okay. I, I can talk about three, because uh, that's really all I have. Let's do tri- trifactus. I ha- I saw a movie called Closer to God. This comes out this week, I believe. And it's, uh, it's a relatively low-budget sci-fi horror movie 
directed by Billy Sensei, Sensei, and it's about cloning. It, okay. it imagines a a world, a future. Uh, I think it's like near future. I'm not sure if they ever really talk about the 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 year that it takes place, but it's basically present day, and they successfully clone a human being. Oh man! But as it turns out, so uh, the word gets out that they've cloned a human being, and of course the there's like protests and they're starting to worry about their safety so they decide to move the the baby to this doctor's house who kind of he, he was kind of heading up the team that is working on this clone so they, they move the baby to his his house and he's a, very rich he lives on a big property and as it turns out they've had this isn't their first attempt at cloning a human. They've had several failed attempts. One of one of these failed attempts survived, but he turned kind of into a monster. Oh no! And he is also living on uh, this guy's property in, and one of his uh, housekeepers is taking care of this child, and eventually the child gets loose and starts killing everyone on the property. Well, that's more than likely what's going to happen. So it's when we find people. It's an interesting movie because it it kind of it is kind of a blend of of science fiction and horror. The science fiction aspect of it I liked quite a bit. I like the idea, and and I haven't seen a lot of movies that that kind of explore the ideas of cloning and the the issues of morality that pop up. You know when you're when you're talking about cloning. And how you have some people think that it's it, it it could be good it could it could result in all of these great things all of these scientific breakthroughs that could that could happen they could work you know, curing diseases and things like that and then you have the other you know the right side of it where it's like the the uh, Christians that are like all up against it and saying that it's uh, soulless this this child is an abomination and all this stuff mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and i like i like that i like that kind of exploration but when it heads into horror territory towards the end uh it, it lost me a little bit so mm. it sounds like a very light recommend yeah very very light it's it's not it's not great but it's it's not horrible it's got a terrible cover the uh the one on Letterbox is is fine, but the one that's actually like the main cover makes it look like one of those straight to DVD horror movies. It sure does. Yeah, and that's not really what it is. So that's kind of disappointing, but it's called Closer to God, comes out this week, I believe, uh and uh yeah, lo- extremely light recommend. I should have a review for that uh probably this week. And I'm probably going to give it like a 4 out of 10. So what you're saying is that if you have to watch a movie, if you just have to. Well, if you're if you're maybe. If you're in the mood for some sci-fi horror, it's it's not bad for being a low budget indie. It, it fits the bill. Mhm. You might not enjoy it, but it'll at least, you know, it's what you're looking for. Yeah. Kind of. Exactly. Gotcha. Uh, I finally dipped my toes back into some some Brisson. 
1956, A Man Escapes. This was after I, you know, after watching two of his films and not liking either of them and really just hating them, to be quite honest. Everyone, it was like an instant barrage of, you have to watch Man Escape. You have to watch Man Escapes. That's the one. If you don't like that movie, then there's no hope for you. You're an awful person. Okay. So, Ver- you know, like a year and a half later, I finally check it out. I was finally like, I built up enough courage to sit through it. And, you know, my problem with his films has always been the acting style, the, with the way that he does the, he just breaks down his actors and he uses all, you know, non-professional actors. And they're just like, they're soulless robots. And it's just awful to me. It's just a terrible, painful viewing experience, right? <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. So this is the first movie where he used all non-professional actors. And it works. And the main reason it works is because it's about a, a POW, a French, a French resistance activist, is captured by the Nazis. And it's about, it's based on his memoir. And it's just, there's no embellishments. There's nothing. It's just straightforward. They just show you how he's planning. Every single moment that he's spent awake, he is planning and working on an escape. So it's just meticulous. It's methodical. And it just walks you through it. There's no... I'm interested so far. There's no sentimentality. There's no, you know, embellishments, adornments. It's just, this is what it is. Okay? So it works because he's a prisoner. So the acting doesn't, it makes sense in this respect because he is a broken down guy in a jail cell just working on trying to get out. And there's not, there's not, uh, there's, a, there's some dialogue, you know, most of this time is just spent watching him, you know, carve doors and such. And it's, it's pretty much perfect, to be honest. It is like one of the best prison escape movies. Because it's just all that build up. And the cinematography this time around, which this is the earliest of his films that I've seen, so maybe he just got carried away with what he was doing and just lost sight or what, I'm not sure. But the cinematography is fantastic. The lighting is perfect. And it's just, it's tense. And it works. Unlike everything else I've seen from him, is just awful. Okay. So everyone was right. Rasan won. So it's, his record right now is one and two oh, with me. So he did it. He won. Big day for Brisson. What was the name of this again? A Man Escaped, and, which is on Hulu Plus. Okay, Hulu Plus. So check it out on there. So, so good, good work, Brisson. Pat yourself on the back. I saw one that I that I liked quite a bit last week, and this is uh, Big Game. The, okay. the one with right. Samuel L. Jackson, directed by the guy who did uh, Rare Exports. And okay. it, you saw Rare Exports, right? No, I didn't. Oh. Why did yeah. I think you saw that? I thought we talked about that at one point. Uh, well, if you saw Rare Exports, it has the same the same feeling to it. Uh, when I started watching this, probably 10 minutes in, I felt like I was watching an old Amblin movie. And as you know, I'm a big fan of those old school Amblin movies. And the I think a lot of it is due to this, the score in this movie. But basically, it's about uh, Samuel L. Jackson plays the president of the United States. He's on Air Force One, and terrorists shoot down Air Force One over the 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 wilderness in the Finnish wilderness. We'll call it okay in Finland. Right. So he's crashes in Finland, and there's this thirteen year old kid 
who is sort of on a he's he's sort of on a uh, his village when when all the men in his village on their thirteenth birthday they send him out into the wilderness on their own to try to bring back uh, a an animal hunt hunt and kill a deer and bring it back or a bear just a big animal bring it back and it's sort of their rite of passage it's sort it's sort of their their transition from boys into men gotcha so he's out doing his little vision quest and he's not he's he's just not cut out for it like he at least that's what he thinks and his dad thinks but he's determined to do it he ends up meeting up with the president after this really really awesome plane crash scene which is which is crazy because the the movies it's not a big budget movie by any stretch but that scene looked really good uh, i was really impressed with that scene ends up saving the president and uh helping him escape from the people that are trying to kill him uh very very cheesy it feels like a mix between it's like an 80s maybe even early 90s action movie but it kind of embraces that but also at the same time it doesn't try to be that if that makes sense it's not like oh look at us we're you know looking at 80s and 90s action movie cliches and and punching you in the face with them Mm -hmm. it's not like that it's its own thing uh so it's a mixture of that and kind of uh an amblin film uh it has this childlike wonder to it where there's silly kind of silly adventure sequences where they're like there's a scene where they're in a freezer and they're attached to a helicopter and they're kind of careening through the forest and then they they cut the line and they're like rolling down a hill and they're stuck in the freezer and it's it's just it's a fun movie it's it's pretty light it's not very violent or anything like that i think it's rated pg-13 and yeah. I just I had a great time with it. Samuel L. Jackson was hilarious. The kid was really good. The kid is actually the same kid from Rare Exports, and he's he's quite good. Um, Ray Stevenson plays the bad guy, which he's always. Ray Stevenson is just kind of like permanent bad guy status. He's great. He's great as a villain in pretty much anything he does. Pretty much. And uh, I had a great time with it. Uh, Jim Broadbent's in it. Felicity Hoffman's in it. Uh, Broadbent's great. He plays this kind of w- old, old school CIA operative that they bring out of retirement, sort of. It's always that guy that comes out of retirement. Yeah, and he's like an expert. Like he knows exactly what's going on from the very beginning. They don't even have to clue him in. He's like, I, I've been following from afar. Yeah, I never retired. But it's it's a great time. I definitely recommend it. Don't don't go in expecting the best action movie ever. Some of the effects work is a little rough around the edges, especially that scene I mentioned previously with the freezer and they're in the helicopter. That looks the the green screening on that is a, is not great, but it's not really enough to to bring it down too much for me because it's it's just a fun movie. Right. So, right. big game. I, sounds, uh, sounds interesting. Yeah, I would say check it out. I think it's on VOD right now. So It sounds like a fun time. It is. It's, it is a fun time. It's funny. It'll make you laugh. It'll entertain you. There's some good action. 
Uh, I watched something that was not a fun time. Uh-oh. It's a documentary that's sad. Which uh, it's Rich Hill. Oh, okay. I, I have you seen Rich Hill? No, I haven't. I've been. I I really wanted to see it back. Well, back when it me, came out, but let me break it down for you real quick. Uh, Rich Hill, okay, small midwestern town, Missouri. They follow three young boys around, just showing their lives. Which is really the the problem that I have with Rich Hill is I don't know what the point of this movie is. This documentary, they don't they don't explain anything. They don't discuss why it is the way it is. They don't discuss any ways to make it better. They're just essentially just showing you their sad lives, and that's it. And out of the three kids, there's one, his name's Apache, and it's as though through like the first quarter of the film, they kind of realize that they don't really have much with this kid, and they kind of just forget about him hmm. until like the end. They kind of come back to him a little bit, but there's really no time spent with him. Is that the kid? Uh, is that the kid that was wearing the the uh, Juggalo <laughs> makeup? No, no. They follow that kid and this other kid, Andrew, around the most. Uh, mostly because they have the more compelling compelling lives. Um, and it's just, you know, it's an affecting documentary. It's sad. It's going to tug at your heartstrings because they go, through, they go through some bad things. And it's just relentless, the things that happen to them. And you just, you want so badly for them to catch a break and just have things turn around. Uh, they don't, and just kind of, you know, it affects you, it hits you hard, and you're, you know, you can really feel for them, you can sympathize, but again, at, at when you're done watching it, you kind of think to yourself, like, what was what was the point of that? Like, I, I know about poverty, I've seen poverty, mm-hmm. it's just kind of like, just emphasizing what you already know. Yeah. Just be like, hey, you know how poverty's bad? And it's like, yeah, yeah, it is. Are you going to tell me anything new about it? And they're like, no, we're just going to show it to you. Hmm. She's like, why? Why Why did you do that? Yeah, maybe it's just like a slice of life thing to remind people that there are a lot of individuals living in this country that are not not as well, well off and lucky. There's one with the, the Apache storyline. When, when they do follow him around, there's one day where his mom is trying to get them to clean up, to clean up the house. And there's trash everywhere. Like, it is, like, up to their ankles, just trash all over the floor, everywhere. And it's one of those things that I've never entirely understood when it comes to um, poor people, poverty. And, like, to pick up trash... Like any type of waste, really, paper, plastic, anything, and to just put it in some sort of receptacle for it, that costs no fucking money whatsoever. That's true. You don't have to have money to do that. Just pick it up and put it in something, not under your couch, and let it pile up for like, it was like nine months worth of trash, just yeah, covering their floor. I, I often think about that when I see movies it's like, like that. Just fucking clean. Throwing things away costs no money whatsoever. Just just a heads up. It's a life hack. <laughs> it's a life life hack. <laughs> life hack. Throw the trash away. Okay. Yeah, I I'm kind of someone who believes that 
just because you're poor and don't have money doesn't mean that you can't live in a a, a clean apartment or house. So yeah, I mean, I've I've had I I have friends growing up that you know they're they were living in pretty much the same situation, but their houses were clean. Yeah, they had probably less money than some of the people in Rich Hill. And the weird juxtaposition of this is there's the like their fair. It's like this world famous pie auction, and they're buying pies, one pie, just one fucking pie, for like five thousand dollars. <laughs> and it's just like, what? Can we explore that a little bit? Like, is the whole town in dire straits, or it seems like a certain number of people have money, you know, enough thousands for one pie. Pie money and here. What, what are they using this pie money for? It's a lot of unanswered questions, hmm. but it hits you. It it'll it'll wreck you seeing these kids, especially the Andrew kid, because he's so hopeful and he's just really positive and he thinks things are gonna just really turn around. Mm-hmm. And then they spend some time with his dad too, and his dad is just a kid. Hmm. Like he's like he's like he, I can't find work, so I'm gonna be a prospector. He's like, if you can't find work, just start digging for gold and silver. And it's just like. <laughs> And it's just you feel so bad for the kid because you're like, oh my god, that's that's your father, because the roles are completely switched. Yeah, like he's the father, and his father is the son, the child, and it's just it's rough to watch. Unfortunately, I think there's a lot of yeah instances of that in this country. It's just it's sad to see, and everywhere, not just this country, but everywhere. Yeah. Well, speaking of being wrecked, I saw a movie called Reckless. Okay, how's that for it? You're terrible segue. Your, your segues are fucking on point. Uh, so this is a uh, thriller from the Netherlands, and it's just a pretty basic kidnap thriller. the The thing that I liked a lot about it was uh, the the whole opening sequence of this film. Probably for the first maybe ten or fifteen minutes, there's no dialogue. It's just all set up. It's just these two guys. They're wearing masks. They're preparing something and we know that they're getting ready to kidnap somebody but we don't really know what's what's going on and i mean they are like meticulous in their planning they have everything completely figured out but of course things go wrong and it turns out that one of the kidnappers actually knows the girl that they've kidnapped and that causes a lot of problems uh, I know everything about this movie already. Well, it takes it does take some very interesting twists that you may not expect. At least I no. I'd, well, I just I just saw that it's it's a remake of the disappearance oh, of Alice Creek. It it is, but and it's Did they and switch it, it up a little. It's bit? so funny because when I when I uh, was watching this, I didn't know that. And when I was watching this, I was like, this this is like the exact same as the disappearance of Alice Creed. And then after I watched it i uh looked looked it up on imdb and i was like oh well okay it's a remake of that yes um they do they do switch it up they they takes at least see now it's been several years since i've seen the disappearance of alice creed so uh i i don't remember exactly what happens in that one but it's they they do take some they they do deviate from that story a little bit with this one but it's fine. It's not amazing. I would probably still say check out the disappearance of Alice Creed over this one. That is a it's a 
I would, I guess, say underrated film. Yeah. I thoroughly enjoyed the di- disappearance of Alice Creed. Yeah. Yeah. Th- this one, this one's not bad. I mean, it's well made. It's well acted. There's some interesting things that happen in it. Um, but I would say probably I'd still recommend the disappearance of Alice Creed over this one. But at any rate, Reckless comes out. Uh, this is one that, um, that, uh, Damn it! What's that? Oh, Artsploitation. Artsploitation is putting this out in a couple weeks. It's going to be out on VOD and um, Blu-ray. I don't. I don't think it's out just yet. All right. Did you have one more? I have one more. It's called My Name Is Jill, which is on Netflix. Instant. Peter Mullen, directed by Ken Loach, nineteen ninety-eight. Uh, poverty porn, if you want to call it that. It's a uh, Peter Mullen plays a recovering alcoholic. I think he's like 10 months sober, something like that. And he starts a starts a romantic relationship with uh, this woman that is, I guess she's like a health worker type. I'm not sure exactly what it is <clears throat> in their country, but it's kind of like um, CPS, mm-hmm. Child Protective Services. And she's he she shows up at the house of uh, his nephew. And you got to do like you know home visits and everything, and that's where they kind of meet and they start this relationship. And he's trying to help his nephew out and trying to get off drugs and this and that. And then he gets kind of pulled into this into this uh, these drug jobs that he has to do for this drug dealer to try and you know get his nephew out of a tight spot because he owes he owes a bunch of money to some bad people. And then it all kind of gets. Uh, you're pretty predictable. You know what's going to happen. It's your standard, you know, guy gets pulled in, thinks that all he has to do is this little job and mm-hmm. everything will be fine. One but last it's job. Not, it's not like that, man. Um, Peter Mullen is fantastic, as always. Uh, the only thing that I don't understand with this movie, um, like I say, it's fairly predictable. Good performances. The storyline's tight. The only thing that kind of gets me is, okay, so he's been off the drink for 10 months or whatever. And, of course, things go wrong, and it pushes him to obviously drink again. You know that it's going to happen at some point in time that he's going to relapse. So he drinks again, and I don't know. I guess this happens with some people. I don't know. But he's just the complete opposite when he's drunk. Like, he's just the meanest person he's violent he just hates everyone and there's just this whole scene of him saying terrible terrible things to his nephew and it's just like i don't maybe because i haven't really witnessed that it just it didn't seem right to me that you know when people get drunk they just become the exact opposite of the person that they are no maybe that's maybe that's who he really is maybe and when he's sober he's hiding it just he's playing he's playing you Playing here for a fucking fool. Well, they say that some people are mean drunks. But I mean, this is like, this is like polar opposite. Mm. This is like evil twin mm. different. Mm. Which is like, holy shit. I'm surprised someone didn't kill you when you were drunk. Mm. But I mean, it's good. It's, it's like a light recommend. You know, it's just, you got the romance in there, which is done really well. Which is fantastic. The the crime drama aspect of it is, it's executed well, but 
again, it's just it's predictable. You know what's going to happen. You know how it's going to end, really, from the outset. But you know, it's a good time. A light recommend. Okay. It's two Ken Loaches now that I haven't really been. I haven't been overly impressed with them. Hmm. It's got some comedy thrown in there too. What was the name of this one again? My name is Joe. And that's available on Netflix. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Check Mm -hmm. that out. Let's go ahead and talk about some predictions. Next week, we were off last week, so we don't have anything anything, uh, to predict for that. So let's go into next week, and we have Minions. Minions. Mm. Oh, man. The excitement. Oh, God. This one. Ugh. What's this I'll, oh, i can't wait for some reason Minions, for some reason i think that this one's gonna be somewhat well received so i'll say like 62 i'm gonna say 78 oh wow we also no, have, just we also have selfless which is the one with ryan reynolds directed by tarsum singh just found that out oh so, he's still around doing stuff yeah so that one's probably gonna be pretty bad yep. <laughs> that's my guess It'll probably look cool and just be bad. Did you know that every one of his films on Rotten Tomatoes is rotten? Every single one of them. I that doesn't surprise me. What are you thinking on Selfless? Uh, I think he's going to keep that streak going, and I'm going to say 42. Uh, I agree, and I'm going to say I'm going to say 32 on this one. Oh, you're going even lower. Yeah. Unbelievable. <sighs> And we also have The Gallows, which is the found footage horror film. That's, Zero. That's, you know, this one's, it's, get, it's getting some buzz. It's getting some some decent buzz here. This is a, a, a Blumhouse production, which, you know, usually those people, rake, people get People getting paid. They rake in the dough. So, you're still saying zero? I'm going zero. Okay. Just that from now on, that's the default. As soon as you say found footage zero, I'm gonna say fifty-one on that one. It's like a it's like a formula in Excel that you can't you can't change it. It's stuck there. As soon as you say that word, it plugs in a zero. I saw when I saw Terminator Genesis, I saw it in in 3D, not by choice, but just because that was the earliest Showtime that I could see, and they had a trailer for the new Paranormal Activity. Which is going to be mm. in 3D. Oh, fuck. Yeah, cool. It's called Paranormal Activity Ghost Dimension. The Ghost Dimension. <sighs> fuck yeah, dude. And it was pretty cool. The, it's They shot it for 3D, so there was a lot of cool ghosts ghosts jumping out at you. felt like I was I was uh, seeing like a William Castle movie or something where it was like, ooh, ghost vision. <laughs> oh, that sounds interesting. Yeah, you know, I, I don't know what to think about it, but it could be a cool, fun little gimmick, you know? Next week in limited release, we have Amy, which is the Amy Winehouse biopic documentary. Uh-huh. Boulevard, which is the uh, Robin Williams one. It's, uh-huh. It'll be his last last film. We have Tangerine. I'm pretty excited. To right. I'm pretty excited to see Tangerine. I am as well. It looks looks quite interesting. We have Stranger Land. That's the one with Nicole Kidman. That's on VOD right now. So if you wanted to see that, you could see it on VOD. Uh, doesn't look very good to me. No, no, it doesn't. Uh, Do I Sound Gay? Which is a documentary about uh, what makes people 
men sound like they're gay. Okay. I actually saw this this week, and it's pretty interesting. It's it's not it it it's not like I, I would have liked to have seen them delve a little bit more deeply into some of the topics, but it's it's okay. It's a pretty light documentary, and Ten Thousand Kilometers comes out next week. Okay. All right. On VOD next week we have pull my list. Strangerland. Mm-hmm. Oh, I thought that was already out. I, I'm pretty sure that is already out, but whatever. 10,000 Kilometers, The Suicide Theory, which I saw way, way back. That's pretty, pretty decent film about a, a guy who can't die. He's trying to kill himself, but every time he tries to kill himself, he comes back. So he basically hires this guy to try to kill him. Cool. Yeah, it's it's pretty interesting. The Breakup Girl, I don't know anything about that, and What We Did on Our Holiday. That's uh yeah. that's uh like a family film with uh uh David Tennant's in it. I can't remember who else is in it. There's there's a number of people in that. Uh next week on Blu-ray, we have Maggie. We have Hey, how about that? Yeah, Slow West, The Town That Dreaded, Dreaded Sundown, the remake. We have... I'm looking through the list here. The Color the color Out of Space, which is a... It's like a Lovecraft... It's like a German Lovecraft uh, type film. Okay, that sounds kind of interesting. Yeah, I watched a trailer for it. It's, it's shot in black and white, so, well... It, it's in black and white. I'm not sure if it was shot in black and white. It looks like one of those deals where they uh, switched it to black and white in post. But The Pact 2, which uh, I do not recommend that one, unfortunately. I, I really, really like the first one, but the second one is, is no good. Mm. Elimination Game, Deli Man. That's pretty much it. The Cell is getting a re-release on Blu-ray. Oh, yeah. Oh, how about that? A uh, woman in gold also comes out. I forgot that. Forgot about that one. That was a quick turnaround. That's still playing in theaters here. Yeah, that was quick. Uh, Jeez. Criterion's. We have one Criterion that's actually two films. It's like a dual set. Dual set. Dual set. Uh, adaptations of Ernest Hemingway's The Killers. Hmm. First one is from 1946. The first, the first uh, adaptation. And then the next one is 1964, which has uh, Cassavetes in it. And apparently it was made for TV, but it was it was deemed too violent mm. for TV. So you get a double pet. This is it's been out on Criterion before. I guess it's just getting a re-release Blu-ray. I'm also seeing them um, on my list here on Blu-ray.com. It has the Big Chill. Is that? Do you, do you... I'm not seeing. I'm not seeing the Big Chill. I'm not seeing it. Just to just to the other thing, one of the, the the special features on the disc is a a short film adaptation of Hemingway's The Killers, made by Tarkovsky when he was a student. So you get three The Killers adaptations, three of them. Wow, it looks like The Big Chill is coming out. By the way, on Blu-ray. You know, are Criterion. you calling me a fucking liar? I'm looking at it on Amazon that, right now. It says pre-order July seventh. You know what? 
I don't see it. Okay. <laughs> it's not here. It's got a good right? it's got a good cover. Just saying. I didn't like the big chill, but it's got a good cover. You a big chill fan? Well, it's not it's not hey, hey, hey. Criterion Collection website, not showing it. Well, just saying. Just throwing right. it out there. Okay. Well, Amazon has it, so so who's right here i think uh, i think amazon's right you think i'm gonna say it i think i think criterion didn't update their website maybe maybe but i think the big chill's been out for a while already i don't know maybe it's getting a blu-ray maybe it was out on dvd and now it's getting a blu-ray release oh it's in it's in dual format it's a dual format because it also says blu-ray special edition on the cover so maybe it's some sort of re-release It's a three. It's a th- oh yeah, it looks like there was a, another edition that was a three disc set. Okay. Previously. All right. Whatever. Hmm. It, it's coming out. It's not coming out. I don't know. It, it's interesting because Criterion doesn't usually do that. No. All right. Well, I think that that'll wrap it up for this week. Send us your questions to podcastfilmpulse.net. Follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin, and please take a look at our Patreon page at patreon.com slash filmpulse and consider subscribing for as little as $1 per month and helping support the show. We appreciate that so much. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name's Adam Patterson, and we'll see you on Thursday for Ryan Watches a Movie.